0: Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James, Scott and Adam here, but because of circumstances, we've actually decided to record things a little bit differently, so we're in three different locations at the moment. We should start off by saying, Scott, how are you? I'm good, James, how are you? Pretty good. Adam, how are you? It's weird not having you in the room next to me.
1: Yeah, no, I'm good. Uh, how are you, Scott? Yeah, good, good, Adam. It's a bit weird, but we'll get used to it.
0: Exactly, so, so it's, it's a little bit experiment.
2: The, experiment. Coming from the shire up here.
0: Exactly, so it's a little bit experimental for all of us, so a little bit of patience and understanding as we try and work out technology, which, I'll be honest, kind of scares me most of the time. How does that sound, Adam?
1: Yeah, sounds good. Scott? Yeah, James, you can get through without blowing up our three laptops here. You're going well. Okay.
0: <laughs> Step in the right direction. All right, so uh, before we get started, should do some uh, contact plugs as well primary one, email BrisbaneFootballReview at gmail.com uh, Facebook, The Raw Review we're still working on uh, negotiating that with Mr Zuckerberg to change it to Brisbane Football Review Twitter at BNE Football and of course you're listening to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Wooshka, any good outlet or another good outlet, Football Nation Radio, you might be listening to the replay of that Thursday at midday at Queensland time. Either way, we're very glad that you're with us. So, let's get into it. Saturday afternoon, Suncorp Stadium, Brisbane Raw to Central Coast Mariners 0. Scott, overall takeaway from the game?
1: It was positive, actually, wasn't it, James? We said the last couple of weeks that they struggled in going forward. A lot of the changes that Robbie Fowler made, both in terms of tactical and personnel, really did make a difference. And they got off to a much better start in this game as well. That's been a real problem in the last few weeks. And they were much brighter right from the start on Saturday afternoon. Adam, let's get your thoughts on that.
2: Look, uh, it's a I think it's a win that they need, and obviously, given the sort of the the compression of the ladder in that part of the, of the thing, is that, is that now you the know, raw dropping jumping top six after one win, so it's not so bad.
0: I'm still overall not going to be too you know jumping up and down. They're in the top six, woo yay, go them! But it, mostly because it's only round eight so far, so let's not let's not get too far ahead of ourselves with that. But. As you mentioned, Scott, there was quite a lot there to enjoy, and we'll start off by hearing uh, what Robbie
3: Fowler had to say after the match. Uh, Yeah, in all fairness, I mean, there's always relief when there's goals. Um, I think it was what we deserved anyway. So yeah, I mean, with Roy, you know, we we, we've seen his record in the A League, and you know, he will score goals. So um, you know, this year we have created a lot of chances. We've obviously missed some. I don't think we can really question that today. We've won the game and we won it. We won it really well. Is
1: that possibly the sort of most comfortable
3: display you reckon this team I think so. Um, you know, I, I mean, obviously they hit the crossbar uh, in the first half. Other than that, I don't really see them hurting us too much. Uh, I thought we controlled the game from start to finish. You know, we had a good start. Um, you know, that is, you know, being through a, a few questions thrown at us this year the way we started the games. For me. You know, we want to start a game, but I'm not really interested in that. You know, it's how we finished the game. You know, I want to finish it with goals and, and winning games. So that's by far the most important thing. Uh, but look, we were good value for it. We, we had a good start. You know, unfortunately, we never scored. Um, you know, but we were, I, th- I thought we were a dominant team again.
0: And that was what Robbie Fowler had to say after the match. And I think he was pretty happy with how it went. Obviously, he still sees his side as a bit of a work in progress, So, What do you think, Adam?
2: Yeah, look. Of course, like I said one win doesn't sort of change the fortunes. It doesn't. It doesn't really sort of you know solve solve much. You now, obviously, um, I guess the 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 so-called you know people have spoken. You know, with Jamie Young and and uh, Dylan Windsor Hall starting, which is what uh, sort of the fan base has been crying for for weeks, and it actually come off. But you now, then again, you know. Central Coast Mariners, they've been up and down, you know, very inconsistent at the moment, so it's, it's, it's a good three points, but uh, look, at the end of the day, it still doesn't change much. You now, there's still plenty of improvement left in this team.
0: Definitely. Scott, though, it was that formation change that we were trying to work out before the match as well, that 4-3-3 really did seem to open up a lot more space for the side
1: going forward. Yeah, it wasn't the 4-4-2 that the team sheet said it was, meant to be, was it? it wasn't quite. I'll leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't quite that, but no, it was a... It was a big difference. It was back to what we've kind of seen from the Raw in their best days, really, with the 4-3-3, three, three, the one one sitting midfielder, then two ahead of them, and then the front three. It worked really well. Adam mentioned when Dylan went to Halls, and he was fantastic in his first start of the A-League season, but I thought that Brad Inman was equally good on the left hand. side. So I think both of those players, in those roles that they played, had a massive impact in the way the, way the game went for the Raw.
0: Definitely. And it was also just having that extra space for Inman to work, out on that left wing as well, you kind of felt like maybe he got a little bit lost in the space when it was he was playing as that out-and-out striker with Jay O'Shea trying to get forward and also next to Roy O'Donovan or Aaron Marty Holloway. Adam?
2: Yeah, look, I think it's a case of you now where Brad Inman's finally of playing where he feels more comfortable. I think, uh, like you said, other than you now a few sort of you know, cameo performances you know, in pre-season where it was almost like he was discovered you now as an ex- accidental striker, I think he's better suited on a wing and definitely that left wing.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot to take from that. A um, lot of positives as well. You know, don't want to go all sunshine and rainbows because obviously that first half was a little bit... It, it looked like they were trying to find their feet again, ad- adapting to that tactical change, Scott.
1: It did, but they were also better than what we've seen in previous weeks in the first half. and They were creating some more opportunities. They looked more dangerous and in more control of the game. So you're right that they were still trying to work things out, but they were better going forward in the first half than they were in previous weeks. And I thought defensively as well, switching to the back four seemed to work quite well in bringing out the best of Macaulay Gillespie I don't think the back threes really suited him to the best of his capabilities when he played in that back four alongside Tom Aldred I thought that worked quite well
0: definitely and having that sort of leader that can uh, at the back end Tom Aldred he, he was really dictating traffic quite well Adam
2: yeah look that's a, that's what we expect from Tom Aldred you now to be able to control the um the, sort of the back line, you know, and obviously, um, yeah, it, it took play. I think it places, it places strength when they're playing uh, a more traditional sort of style, you know, four at the back rather than sort of trying to go three with the two sort of wing backs. which it seems to as well. It's, you know, your central defence ain't good as your weakest link. And I think occasionally, yeah, you know, he was trying to you know, maybe overcompensate trying to to you know, bridge some gaps. And, uh, look, I think this is a more natural setting. And I think, yeah, you know, hopefully sort uh, of the back you know, experiment may have um, ended as far as the defence goes.
0: That's it, and they didn't even try and go back to that defensively. We noticed during that first half, Scott, that uh, when they were defending, they were actually sort of settling into that 4-4-2 that they were on the team sheet in where Inman dropped back into the midfield and it was O'Donovan and Wenzel Halls up top.
1: Yeah, absolutely, it was almost like two different systems. right? With the ball, it was clearly a 4-3-3 with Jo O'Shea dropping in. But you're right, without the ball, he was up alongside Roy O'Donovan, pressuring the centre-back. So it was... They did defend in a 4-4-2, you're right. But I don't, I'm not sure the previous formation is necessarily going to be thrown out. It might just be a case of, OK, it hasn't worked for now. We'll keep it in the back pocket. We might bring it out again in future weeks.
0: Not not to turn this into a full-on preview segment, but I do think that back 3 uh, setup might work against opponents like the rule will be facing this weekend in Sydney FC, where maybe, you know, they're going to be on the back foot a little bit more. But... Even so, it it seems like, United. Yeah, that's very true. And it and the other thing as well, I, where I'm kind of on the fence about it as well, is, you know, Fowler keeps talking about wanting to go forward and get on the front foot and dominate these games, and it just seems like having that extra body forward instead of trying to hold out at the back and defend for dear life, it just seemed like it really gave them that extra impotence going forward,
2: Adam. Yeah, look, it's I guess... A case as well at home you don't want to be playing the back foot you want to be sort of getting on the front foot and trying to attack as much as possible or at least within reason and so i think that's where the, the, the four at the back i think it's a more solid structure to allow them to sort of you know play their natural game obviously as i agree uh, completely that you know against on the road against solid sydney maybe three at the back and relying on a counter-attack it may be a better way of trying to of trying to sort of approach that but definitely at home i think you know four at the back may be, so the way to go. It seems to stabilize um the attack a lot more and they seem to be sort of you know attack with more purpose.
0: And that's the other thing as well. It seems like we're going to be facing well facing teams that maybe, you know, might have studied the roar a little bit and perhaps solved that uh, you know, five three two setup that they had and now maybe they're trying to find a way to get around that,
1: Scott. Yeah, it's highly totally possible. I mean we are eight weeks in now, so there's plenty of tape on everybody to see who how each team plays, it. And I do think having the ability to mix it up in a formation is a good thing. Even in-game, I'd love to see if they could actually try this during the game because the 11 that they started with on Saturday afternoon, you could play a 3-5-2 with that. We were talking about it before the game, James, about how that might work because we had no idea how they were going to line up. And you could probably get away with doing that. And if you can change it in-game, I think that can make a big difference as well. But I'm not sure Definitely. I'd go with that 3-5-2 system against Sydney FC at the weekend. I'd probably stick with what's worked. Yeah,
0: I'm happy to to stick with what's worked on that. Uh, Well, you've heard our thoughts on the changes. Let's hear what uh, Robbie Fowler had to say about the impact of uh, Wenzel Halls and Jamie Young coming
3: into the team. Um, I just felt that the lads who who did come in, um, the attitude has been absolutely first class. I mean, Jamie Young, for example, um, you know, no disrespect to Jamie, but, you know, we said at the start of the season, he probably needed to go out and work on his kicking and, and work on his composure with the football. His attitude has been absolutely unbelievable. Um, I mean, if any young kid uh, coming to watch us training, um, you know, any older professional coming to watch him, I mean, he's the first on the training pitch and he's the last one. Um, he's deserved his chance, and I thought he was very, very good today. Look solid, uh, look composed. Um, his kicking has improved massively. You know, you, you see him at the end of training, you know, practicing both feet all the time. So. Uh, his attitude has been first class, and look, as much as we don't really feel as though there's been too many bad performances from the players uh, in in the weeks, we just felt we needed to probably maybe change a little bit, uh, and Jungi coming in was, uh, was was obviously an option that you know that we, that we wanted to do, um, and, and he's, he's been he's been brilliant. And young, uh, young Again, you know Dylan, you know i said before in, in pre-season, Dylan looked really well. Um, you know, having an injury sort of knocked him back knocked him back a good few weeks and then all of a sudden it was in playing catch-up you know trying to catch up his fitness um you know on his football and again his attitude has been good uh, and that's all you can ask for as a manager you know you want your players to sort of go out there and, and perform every day and training and give you a little bit of an headache this week has, has been great you know we, we wanted a reaction from uh, the performance at Wellington we've obviously made a few changes in, including Brad coming on um you know Dylan was was exciting uh, he was probably a little bit more lively than what we've had. Uh, in the past games, uh, but they've, they've warranted uh, and deserved the chance, and undertook it. All
0: right, and that was Robbie Fowler there talking about the change that he made. And I got to admit, like it was a big call to substitute out Max Crockham but he, he was really rewarded because Jamie Young had three fantastic saves that uh, I think you know really reminded everyone just how good he can be when he's on his game. Adam,
2: yeah, look, it's uh, it's amazing, you know, just it that you know Jamie Young, like he misses the first you know six games of the season, and it's like nothing's changed you know, it's, it's normal like it's sort of nothing you know max crockham i think he's he's very i once are unlucky but you know it's it's just sort of you know, a little unfortunate that, you know he, he's been changed out you know we i don't think he did too much wrong you know as far as a keeper goes so but i think the amazing thing about jamie young is he comes back and it almost you know, fits like a glove like as if he never left
0: and in the press conference after the game as well, you can hear that on the post-game show that uh, Scott and I did on Saturday, but I was just amazed at how effusive in his praise Robbie Fowler was for Jamie Young, Scott.
1: Absolutely, and you're right. He was very effusive with the praise of him, his distribution, the way he's worked on that over the last few weeks where he's not been in the side, and I do think that's actually been something that Max Crocker might need to go away and work on as well because I'm not sure that it's his best strength either, but I don't think Max did too much wrong in terms of his pure goalkeeping. He made some, made some good saves... Okay, he let a couple of goals and I'm not sure he's fully to blame for those. But I thought Jamie Young, when he came back in at the weekend, he did add a lot, not just with a couple of saves he had to make and his distribution, but also you can really notice him barking at the side, steering them, around, steering them around the field and really guiding them from the back because you've got that full view of the field. You can see everything as the goalkeeper, and he made a massive impact in that as well.
0: Definitely, and you kind of wonder if maybe going to that back four could have been a little bit influenced by the fact that maybe Jamie Young is a little bit better when he's not being crowded by three central defenders. What do you think, Adam?
2: Yeah, no, I think so. I think maybe that might be also a case of, you know, the change of formation may actually also relate to who's actually in goals. Like, I think, you know, at the end of the day, Jamie Young's the one who has to marshal them, you know, as much as Tom Aldridge's there at centre-back, and he's the captain. But the one noticeable difference I think between Jamie Young and uh, Max Crockham is that Jamie Young is a lot more uh, visually verbal, you know, you know, his offensive troops around. And I think that may be you know, I guess with with you know, sort of change in thoughts, you know, and trying to change things up, that may be what, you know, he he brings to the table as far as, you know, going forward.
0: And overall as well, Scott, it was just the fact that we've always felt Jamie Young responds very well to competition and it seems like he's really taken things up another notch with the competition of Max Crockham.
1: Yeah, it's made a big impact, hasn't it? Last year, with the greatest respect to Brendan White, it wasn't really much of a competition. It was very clear that it was a first choice and it was a backup. This year, with, with Robbie Fowler bringing in a goalkeeper who's in Max Crockham and another really good young goalkeeper, Macklin Frake there's some really good competition there for that spot. And it's something that I do think that Jamie Young does thrive. when you think back to when there was Theo and Jamie Young together. It was a real good contest between the two of them. I do think that does bring the best out of Jamie Young.
0: Yeah, he's naturally a competitor. All right, I do want to touch on one more thing before we wrap up this segment, and it's the fact that the Royal actually scored a goal from a set piece. I cannot remember uh, too many times where that's happened in the last few years. Adam, can you?
2: Uh, there was that one that broke the streak as far as headed goals from a corner. I think that, that's uh, I think Matt Mackay scored that. That's probably the last... to so you honestly think it might be the last time that uh, the Royal scored from a set piece? So, um, it's sort of a stretch of the memory, but... Um, yeah, look, it is a, again, but we always thought that, you know, with the way this, this side's been built, I'm actually surprised it's taken this long to actually score from a uh, set piece. You know, when you've got guys like, you know, especially when you've got guys the size of you know, Aaron and Marty Holloway or, you know, in, the, in this case, Scott Neville, you know, you, I'm surprised it's taken this long, but, you know, it's, it's very refreshing.
0: Yeah, I actually do remember that night where they played Sydney FC. If I remember correctly, all three of us were at uh, Brisbane Strikers for an MPL game, and I think Scott, you had to stay back uh, to cover that game while I was trying to rush home for the full time whistle.
1: Yeah, it's a funny story about that game. There was a few strikers fans very disappointed that the Brisbane Royal won that game that night. Actually, the only one I could think of was the Thomas Broich header at home in the semi final in stopping time against Melbourne Victor. But that was before the that was before the what the Matt Mackay one you mentioned, Adam. But I do think it's actually a really good thing the Raw did score from this set piece at the weekend, because they've, they've clearly worked on it, and they've put in some really good deliveries this year, and it's a nice reward for Jay O'Shea that his delivery was headed home, and look, it wasn't a great marking from the Mariners, but it's a good sign that the Raw are now starting to convert these opportunities, because they've, they have created a lot of them, and they'll continue to do so.
0: Definitely. All right, well, look, it's another three points for the Raw, that's two wins from three home games as well, and... You know, you always think back to the Ange days. You you get a little bit nostalgic, especially with what was going on with him in the jaily. We should say as well, go Yokohama, F Marinos, because I think there's actually two Yokohama clubs. But you just get you get nostalgic for the way that you know they always seem to find a way to get up at Suncorp Stadium. And Adam, I don't know about you, but I've just got so many fond memories from that era of that's how they built their success.
2: Oh, absolutely. And yeah, like I said, it's still, in my opinion, the greatest. The greatest A League uh, team of all time, you know, the, the, the team that went 36 unbeaten. And uh, look, at that, the thing is, that a lot of those, it wasn't like they dominated all 36 games. They, they found a way to draw, found a way to win, and a lot of that was at, at court. But obviously, the great escape act obviously is, you know, the 2011 grand final.
0: Yeah, funny, it came against the Mariners, Saturday's opponent.
1: <laughs> Not just that one, as I remember the semi final, they were 2 0 down at halftime in the second leg of like the semi final and fought their way back then as well. But this was a bit of a throwback as well in terms of the way the raw played. It did remind me quite a bit of that raw team of, say, 2011 through 2014.
0: Definitely. All right. So that's going to be it for segment one of the Brisbane Football Review. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, come back and talk about what was a pretty rare, rough night for the W League side. So we'll be back after this. This is a Brisbane Football Review.
2: You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review.
3: We'll be back after this.
0: And welcome back everyone to the Brisbane Football Review, it's James, Scott and Adam here with this uh, long distance recording I think we'll call it, because we're all on different parts of Brisbane, listening to us on uh, podcast or Football Nation radio if you're just tuning in for the first time. Brace yourself, that's all I've got to say. Scott, what do you think?
1: <laughs> I think you definitely should be bracing yourself. Yeah, well, we're, we're doing alright. We need right. to put a warning at the beginning of this show as well, I think. not just, Instead of the plugs, we need a warning at the beginning of the show.
0: Well, aside from the usual, just just know that uh, we think we're funny, but we're not.
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, segment two. We're going to talk about what was, quite frankly, an off night for the W League side. There's no sugarcoating it. Three-one loss to Western Sydney Wanderers at uh, Lion Stadium on Thursday night, and oh boy, like <laughs> there was a lot to be worried about.
2: Yeah, look, I think it's a case of, as I said in the post-game show on Thursday night. The raw did have a sort of an off night, but you also got to give some credit to um to West, uh, western Sydney that you know, obviously they're they're Americans sort of battalion you know, Italian uh, they were really good especially Christian uh, Hamilton you know, got the hat trick, but uh, look Lynn Williams and um, Denise O'Sullivan as well were really really good and also as well young young um young Matildas Ford a Car Cooney cross they they were all good so it may be a case of you know raw off night but geez they the Wanderers making pay.
0: Well, yeah, Western Sydney were in a position to take advantage of a lot of those raw mistakes.
1: Absolutely, you can see that they could see to Adam's point that this, the West Sydney side they've recruited heavily from the NWSL champion North Carolina, and you can absolutely see how that side went on to win it because gee, they were a good team in that with those players in the front end with West Sydney. That's by far the best that they have played. And you're right, James, they did capitalize on some some raw mistakes, which I would say are uncharacteristic. I'd say it's fair to say some of the more experienced players in the side who. You don't expect to make mistakes like that. Didn't have their best game.
0: Definitely. All right, well, let's hear from what was a very disappointed Jake Goodship after the match in the tunnel at Lions Stadium. Jake, uh, tough results tonight. What was your opinion of the performance? Uh, yeah, look, we've got, what, five Matildas out
1: there, three import players, simply not good enough. Um, we have, to have a big session Sunday, big week on the training pitch next week, and uh, must pick up points against Canberra now away next Thursday, next Friday, next week, so... Yeah, big week next week.
0: And you, ha- you guys had a lot of trouble playing out from the back. Was that something you tried to change as the game yeah. went on?
1: Yeah. So obviously they they are well structured. They play a four four two of a diamond,
3: which I you know, don't really play. Don't play against often enough. We just struggled to realise where the space was tonight, and um, unfortunately, they wanted to overplay, and we got caught. So it's a
1: hard hard, hard lesson. First appearance of the season. Hopefully, not too far off. Thanks. Thanks guys. Good luck next Cheers, week. Man. Thanks, Thanks Jake.
0: Jake. Yeah. So Jake, good trip. He wasn't. He wasn't very happy, and we do appreciate him taking the time to speak with us in that uh, press conference afterwards because it was a rough night, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, look, just on on Jake, you know, it's it's funny that you know, yeah, he, he was very disappointed, but you know, I think it, it's it's not a cause to lose hope just yet. I don't think he is, but uh, yeah, look, it well, it certainly, you know, this team on paper, you know, five Matildas in the starting lineup. Um yeah, it wasn't a great night, but again, it might be a case of as well that you know their opposition you know, just outplayed them.
0: Well, that's a big positive that I've got like to take away from what was like not a great performance is the fact that a lot of the mistakes that they had just seemed like just seemed like they were I suppose from a lack of sharpness rather than a case of the players just not being that good. I think, you know, Katrina Gorey... Uh, well, you got Celeste Brea. All those players, they're so good. And I feel like just, you know, a few more weeks together, because let's not forget, they haven't had the luxury of, what was it, three-month preseason like the A-League side had. But I think there was just a lot of little things that, you know, weren't quite there for them. You know, passes not going to where... or well, players not being where the passes were played. Maybe losing positioning as well, trying to press high and cover and being found out about that. And as you said, the Wanderers were just so well-placed to take advantage of those
1: mistakes. There were, and it's not only that they didn't have a three-month preseason to 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 get these things down pat. It's also that they've spent the last nine, ten months playing for different teams all around the world, different systems, different different shapes, different ideas. i have got to now come back together and get try and re re remember almost what did work under Mel here at the Raw. And I think it's just about cleaning it up because you're right. There is a lot of really good players in that side, and they're certainly capable of it. And I'm sure over the next few weeks we'll start to see them picking up points because they are a really good side and. On the positive side, they did create a lot of opportunities in this game. They could have scored three or four goals on their own in this game as well. So they did create plenty. I think it's just in that defensive third, maybe tightening it up a little bit.
0: Well, not not to single anyone out, but Tamiki Yallop was the one player that I kind of look back at that game and go, you know, it, her efforts in that game kind of epitomise the way that the raw played where she was close, she was trying really hard, but it was just that step off. You know, the, the crosses into her just were a little bit too high or a little bit too far in front of her. And she was so close, but it just wasn't there.
2: She had a glorious opportunity um, about 10 minutes in, I think it was. And, um, look, if that goes in, and, and, that, and, again, it was a good save as well from um, Abigail Smith, the, the fourth American in that in that side for, for Wanderers. If that goes in, it changes the complexion of the game. So I think it was just a, just a general sort of frustration that, um, that you know, the Raw, they, they're they just they're just slightly out, out of kilter. And on the other end, but, you know, Wanderers go down, and they basically, you know... Go through and score, so I think it's one of those things where I think they're just a, just a little bit out, but um, but yeah, no, like it, as I said before, it's probably not, it's not, it wasn't a great performance, but it's probably not the end of the world just yet.
0: Yeah, I, I, we were all quite high on the Raw's chances in preseason as well, and I think after they announced that signing of Celestari, we all thought you know they should be considered one of, if not the, title favourites. And I'm not selling my stock in the Raw W League side yet, but you kind of need to be able to say, look. That wasn't at the level we would be expecting from them.
1: Yeah, I'm not ready to sell my stock in the double league side either. I still think it's a terrific side. They've got at least Kill Knight to come back at some point, and they are creating plenty of chances. That's the positive thing you can take out of it from this side. They're creating plenty. It's a matter of tightening up, and also they've come in, come up against two really clinical sides. Western Sydney had about four or five chances in this game and took took most of them. Melbourne Victory only had three three really clear chances the week before and converted all three of those. So they're coming up against really clinical sides. That might be something else they need to just fix slightly at the front end, because they created plenty of chances, but they haven't converted enough of them.
0: Definitely, and look, it'll come, and they might get a chance to bounce back uh, this Thursday night when they take on Canberra, down in Canberra. So, first away, Trim, you never it's know Thursday, what uh, these... Yeah, exactly
2: or on also as well. Just just one other thing that to, to to that I think is a big difference as well. Now, it'd be interesting to see um, what a well fully fit Haley Rasso would have been because obviously she was wearing that you know that big monstrosity of a cast. And look, there was some. There's just I just want to quickly touch on this that you know there was some sort of you know murmurings on social media and like I know we don't really should take much stock in it, but. The sort of the insinuation that you know about you know Hailey Rasso, was she forced to play? Was she you know did she choose to play and all that? Look, it's just I don't like the undertone of that sort of that thought. You know, you've got to believe that in day that you know Hailey Rasso, what she means outside, she would have chosen to play, and you know, that just because she's you know playing with a heavy sort of cast and whatnot, that would be her choice, not because she was forced by the club or anything like that, so yeah, I really sort of dislike the undertone that, you know, even insinuating that, you know, Jake Goodship or the club forced her to play on Thursday night, because I can certainly say this, they've got plenty of options, so it would have to have been her choice.
0: Yeah, definitely and I think, you know, having seen Hayley Russell the last couple of years, I think you know, she'd probably have to she'd have to, yeah, I, I don't want to say too much about, because she obviously had that bad back injury, but I was going to say, she would have had to have been a lot more hurt than she was. and But she was struggling, you're right. There was a lot of times where you could see her trying to protect that hand.
1: Yeah, you're right. She was obviously clearly trying to protect it, and there was also that bit of a weird situation with the substitution, which we might get into in just a minute. But I also want to mention Mackenzie Arnold, who we haven't touched on yet, but she's had two really, really good games for the Raw to start the season. Made three or four brilliant saves, and without her in goal on Thursday night, it could have been even an even more one sided scoreline because she had a fantastic game.
2: That's a that's Absolutely. a scary that's a scary thing, yeah, that you know they can see it's six goals, but look, Mackenzie Arnold's probably up there as probably one of their best players so far. So it does say volumes that you know that you know it could be a hell of a lot worse without us. So it's you know, she she's been good, but uh yeah the fortune the goals um have been scored against us six down two games.
0: It is unfortunately one of those, you know, downsides of being a keeper where you can do everything right, but just sometimes there's not much you could do there. And you could see her having to take a lot more responsibility in that second half as well, with the Raw having to chase the game. She was left, uh, I suppose, exposed a little bit more with the players pushing forward, trying to bring that deficit back. Now, speaking of bringing that deficit back, actually, we should mention as well, Riley Basin, the NPLW leading goalscorer, got her first W League goal for the Raw.
1: Absolutely, it was a good bit of play from the role, they capitalised on a mistake from Western Sydney in the defensive third cast, pick, picks the ball up, and tees up Riley Bazin for, for her first goal, and it, look, it had been coming, she had a couple of really good opportunities earlier in the game against Western Sydney, scored a goal against Melbourne Victory, which was correctly ruled out for offside, but it's, it's a good for Riley's confidence to get that goal, first goal in the, in the professional world, and now she can hopefully kick on and get plenty more for the rule because it is a position over the last couple of years where they haven't really found someone who's a consistent goal scorer. If Wiley can be that, Definitely. then might, then, it, then it could be really good. Definitely.
0: And there is that um, area as well with allura toby as well where those two played together in the NPLW, so they do have that natural... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, can, that's it. Thank you, Adam. I'm glad you can read my mind from so far away. But, yeah, that's it. And, you know, so as I said, like it, it wasn't a great performance, but it's not all doom and gloom. So, you know... Good, bad, we'll see. We should also move on to the uh, W League game quickly as well and talk about a scoreless draw between Melbourne City and Brisbane Roar. Now, you mean the Y League? That's got to be a... the Y League. Yeah. What did I say? You called
1: the W League.
0: It's been it's been a long day. I've just come from puppy preschool and yeah, <laughs> lot did of you learn dogs. Anything? Any? Yes, I I learned where I can and can't go to the toilet. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, definitely. So uh, Jack Hingert came on. He's working his way back from uh, ACL tear as well. So um, quickly, hear from uh, what Robbie Fowler had to say after the A League match on Saturday.
3: Look, he just said. I mean, Jack's obviously a, you know a good lad round the dressing room. He's he's good for you know for the club where he's at. Uh, unfortunately, Jack you know had a bad injury. Um, you know it's been a long time. You know I've, I've had the same injury myself. You know I know how long it takes to sort of get back. He's played 45 minutes. So is he in contention? Not at the minute. I mean, Jack needs to play a lot of minutes. I mean, you know, the way football is now, you just can't suddenly decide to, or we can't suddenly decide to sort of get Jack involved with us. He's got to go out and, and, and prove his fitness and, and prove that everything's OK. Um, we're coming back from an injury like that, it's obviously the, a mental aspect as well, you know, going into tackles and, uh, you know, blocking shots as well. So, um, but obviously we're pleased for Jack. You know, he's been he's been great for the club. He's, uh, he's had 45 minutes a day. I'm. Uh, I'm. We're pleased, and it's. It's a small step for him in terms of uh, getting back to where he wants to be.
0: All right. So that was Robbie Fowler there, and uh, I should probably clarify because I kind of froze when I was asking that follow-up question to him about Hingit it as well and having the players to cover it. What I meant to ask was, isn't it nice having a squad that's so deep that you don't have to worry about rushing jacking it back? But I kind of, yeah, and, and you, as you can probably tell by that response,
1: it happens. It happens, I worry about it.
0: Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, that was that was one of those times where I was in the middle of a sentence and just went, "I don't think I quite know where I'm going with this. I'm just going to try and land the plane."
2: Yeah, look. Uh, well, like that, I said, I wasn't there on uh, on a Saturday night, so I couldn't really help you out there. But um, but yeah, just but just quickly on this uh, Wiley game, because I, I did the coverage uh, while you guys are at Suncorp. Um, sort of going from the feed. Uh, that, that uh, Melbourne City were providing. There, there were a couple of chances for the Royal Mersin Muratovic obviously was lively again, but I, I think on balance, I think that Melbourne City might be the more disappointed of the two sides. I think they had a lot more chances with with a decent side as well. Um, a number a number of their players that you know that have featured in the senior squad did, did line up as the, as the senior team was on a bye. And I think they actually be disappointed that they didn't take more from it. So I think I think it bodes well now for the return clash. Um, so sort of
1: later in the season.
0: Yeah, and all things considered overall, we should point out that you know this was a City side that did manage to score six in their last outing.
1: Absolutely, and they were traditionally a very, very strong team at this, point at this level, and as Adam pointed out, they did have the buy and alley. I thought they might have loaded up the team even further. I thought they might have thrown a Connor Metcalf in or something like that as well, but they didn't go quite that far with it, and it's a good point away for the Raw. If so you can get a point away to a team like Melbourne City, it does set them up quite well. They're still unbeaten in the competition after two games. Got a game in hand, so they're in a really good position.
0: And we should also point out that the Thunder and Lightning derby will be in Brisbane in a couple of re- weeks, right, Scott?
1: Absolutely. I'll just I'll make sure I've got my car undercover that day.
0: Good thinking. All right. So that'll... Uh, I think that'll be enough for segment two. What do you guys think, Adam?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I think so. Should quickly Scott? mention they play Perth on Sunday, Brisbane time, I think 12.30 over in Dorian Gardens in round four. That's right. So we probably should... an important game. They pick up three points. Definitely, because
0: uh, Perth, I believe... Uh, actually having a pretty rough season all around last in the A-League last in the W-League last in the uh, Y-League
1: I was wondering when you were going to bring that up
0: yeah I know i had to shoehorn it in there somehow but we should also give a plug for our uh, Perth compatriots uh, far, post, far post Perth I'm pretty sure they'll be uh, out and about there at the W at the Y-League game so um, check that out and see if they're covering it oh, please put do. on the
1: table in all three competitions and they play every game at home according to you maybe they should yeah, play exactly. some road games
0: You never know, that might help them out. You know, I'm sure Sam Kerr's going to be, you know, really thrown when she goes over to Chelsea in the uh, British League over there and actually has to travel outside of uh, the Stamford Bridge area. Yeah,
2: well, she needs to get her passport and order first.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we'll leave that for the Perth podcast to talk about and uh, we'll take a quick break and come back with segment three of the Brisbane Football Review, where normally we'd worry about some sort of news segment, but I'm tired, I'm hungry. Let's just get right into the Sydney preview. We'll be back after this.
2: You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this,
0: and we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. It's segment three, the third and final segment tonight. Is uh, James Scott and Adam here to preview the Raw's A League trip down to Sydney on Saturday night, six thirty pm Brisbane time? Kickoff at Cogra Oval. It's a venue that the Raw aren't all that fond of, though, Scott.
1: No, it's not. They've only played there twice before, and both actually pretty memorable games in their own right. The, the, obviously, the first game there was the. The game that ended the streak back in twenty twelve, when Sydney FC won that game, and then last year, of course, was the first game of the post John Aloisi era. So both games quite memorable, but neither of them ended the way the raw would have liked.
0: And something that was, of course, the end of the um, uh, it was the end of the uh, Adam Taggart era as well. where We had that penalty that still haunts me to this day
2: um yeah like i said it, it, it i guess it's a bit of a uh, kick in the face considering he's just won the golden boot in the k league so yeah who knows <laughs> but uh but yeah look um yeah Congress not hasn't been a hum, happy hunting place for the raw
0: no well you know streaks are made to be broken we can only hope that it comes this weekend
1: absolutely We've, streaks have been broken there before
0: definitely so uh, all time starts against Sydney they've played 46 one eighteen, 18 lost 15 and drawn 13 so yeah, bit of an even uh, overall uh, even overall balance of uh, results there okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay it, it took till segment 3 but we finally had the dead air that we were worried about <laughs> alright so I'll, I'll, I'll take control of the ship I am technically the host yeah All right, so let's start off. That's
1: for sure, after that.
0: I've been on thin ice since about three minutes into the first episode and I've survived this long. What are you going to do to me now?
1: Just you wait. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right, so uh, we'll start off with you, Scott. Would you stick with the same team that beat the Mariners?
1: I would, yeah. I think I found something that worked quite well against the Mariners on Saturday afternoon. I think you just roll it out there again. I don't see any reason to change it. I don't see anybody who could come in and really improve that right now. Having an Aaron and Marty hallway on the bench in this game does give you that really good plan B off the bench if you do want to mix it up. But I think what what worked quite well against Central Coast could work against Sydney FC as well in the right circumstances. So I wouldn't make any changes.
0: Definitely, but we have also seen like the the role with that back five formation that worked quite well in the FFA Cup trip, though.
2: Yeah, that's um, again, it's the load of playing options, but I think uh, Go what's what's worked to last and um then to change up if you run into trouble and I think yeah look I think yeah no changes I I would think unless there's injuries uh, midweek but and look reward reward for for winning yeah uh, I think you know winning can be a contagious thing and um and yeah I think yeah, there's no reason why that should be going changing things around especially you know look Sydney FC are going all right they're top of the ladder but um they're not really sort of getting strike off much fear at the moment either so I think there's just raw team would be confident to go down there on with a bit of momentum to, to actually you know take some points away from Cobra.
0: Definitely, and but the big thing that I've actually uh, took away from their game against Western United, as well is Michael Zulo's back, obviously that left back role was a bit of a, uh, I suppose a bit of a handicap for them when they had Paolo Retre filling in there, so what do you think Zulo's going to bring in terms of, he's probably going to be the one that gets matched up against Wenzel Halls.
1: He brings a natural defensive element to his game, as much as Paulo Retre does an okay job there, he's He's a utility player, that's to be fair, and he's, he does lack something in that defensive role, but I disagree with Adam. I think Sydney FC are really rolling at the moment. I think they're going along really well, and you can only beat what's in front of you, and the fact that they maybe haven't played against the best teams yet, perhaps, or oh, haven't really been tested to their full extent, really, so far. Western United, I don't think they really got out of second gear, but I think they're going along quite well, Sydney FC, and they'll be a really tough team to beat. I mean, all of what we fail to do, though, is just go back and what's the tape of how they beat him and the fake up? Maybe just try yeah, that.
2: Exactly. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually my point. That it's not not more so, like I said, no, no dig at Sydney. I said, they're top of the ladder for a reason. Um, It's a sort of more about, look, that, that Raw, unlike last year, you know, I remember this, uh, this time last year when uh, Raw went to Sydney, you know, just Jonathan uh, Wissett just resigned. You know, it was almost like, oh my God, is this going to be, you know, 5 nil, 6 nil? Um, look, I, I don't think there's any sort of those still sort of worries. I think it's a case that they shouldn't... Look, Sydney are uh, like said, the best team at the moment in the league, possibly. But the they, Raw shouldn't go down to Sydney you know, with any fear, like I said, especially you know, with momentum.
0: I do think we're going to see a, quite an open game, actually, especially if the Raw do stick with what worked for them on Saturday. And you, know, you could wind up you know, with both goalkeepers being very, very busy, though, because there's just such
1: good attacking talent on both sides. It could be, right? But also, I think that's where the midfield will come into it really important because in those sorts of games, you need your midfield to try and get some control of the game. And that's where someone like an Aiden O'Neill has to step up and have a really big game as the midfielder in there who was the deeper line midfielder of the three on Saturday. If he can step up and really control the midfield to a certain extent or at least hold, hold the balance in there and not have it going the other way against him, I think that's a really big part of it because if it's going to be an open game, plenty of chances. And I tend to agree with you, it probably will be. The team who can shut the other one down just a bit more than the other one has a bit more of an edge. Although it's Down and City is also a very difficult task in itself.
0: Definitely. And they do have, you know, a Luke Braden, who we've seen his capacity to score Thunderbolts from, you know, 25 yards out. He, he may need five goes to do it, but he can definitely score them. But it's one of those things where they're going to have to try and really, you know, get on top on that midfield and really close down quite quickly before they're able to break them down.
2: Yeah, look, I think as, as with a lot of these games, the the, the game will be lost in the midfield. Uh, but also as well, sort of, you know, Adam LaFondre at the moment, he's um, he's finding form. You know, he's, he's scored a couple of goals against uh, Western United. And also as well, you know, Mils Ninkovic and um, Alex Balmyohan. They, they really sort of, they're going along okay, but they haven't really sort of, you know, really sort of you know, set, set apart, you know, as far as, you know, starring in a game. So that's, that's always there. So, there's a, yeah, Sydney have got plenty of weapons, but, um, yeah, like I said, I don't, like I said, Raw can also, you know, attack if they play well enough.
0: That's actually the other, I'm just, you know, running through Sydney's lineup here, that I actually think Costa Barbaroos is going to, if Sydney win, he's going to be the reason why, because he's going to be matched up against uh, Jordan Courtney Perkins, who has, hasn't really put a foot wrong so far, but Barbarous is one of the most dangerous attackers in the whole competition, and it's going to be a big test for Courtney Perkins.
1: He will be. It's probably one of the big, biggest tests that George Courtney Perkins has had in his professional career to date, really. Think about, he's only a couple of games into it. Or maybe Craig Noon. He might wind up against Craig Noon for Melbourne City when he came on there. But Barbarous Noon. There's similar sorts of degrees of a test and it's a big test for him. But Sydney do have a lot of weapons and I, I think they're starting to click a little bit, which is probably scary for the rest of the league given what they have in that front third is probably unmatched across the competition. If that does start to click, it's a... It's a bit of a difficult one for opposition teams to deal with, and for the Raw, it's a big test. We've B- seen Robbie Fowler put real emphasis on the defensive shape, organization, and his recruitment, and his planning, and his tactics. It's a really big test for him, because they did do quite well against him in the Cup, but that was very early in the piece. I think Sydney had just come back from a trip to China to play PSG or something, and it was not maybe not the perfect preparation for them. Now they're in flow. This will be a big test for the defense.
2: And just remember about Costa Barbarossa as well. Like, say so he he enjoys scoring a goal or eight or eight or so against the Royals he did last season for Melbourne Victory. So I don't think I don't think he minds uh, scoring a goal against against the Orange. So uh, look, I think yeah, they're they're laden they're laden with you know attacking weapons Sydney. So it's going to be an important game. You know, if that back four, as much as we're sort of praising them and the clean sheet that they've they've got to really be on. Otherwise, it could be ribbons.
0: Mm. Overall, though, we'll start to wrap this up now, but. I think overall, I do think the Roar are more than capable of really taking it to Sydney, and I think we're going to be in for a really good game here, especially if Jay O'Shea is able to control the attack the way that he was against the Mariners. Because he's been phenomenal, and he's leading the league in chances created.
1: He is, and they have done quite well down there in recent times. Roar. I know we're just talking about the game at Cogra, where they lost in the first game of the Darren Davies era, but before that, they did win down in at Sydney Football Stadium at the back end of the prior season. They did. I think they picked up a result of the game before that down there as well. So they done pretty well down in Sydney of late. And I do think I'd give them a chance in this game, but I'm just not 100% convinced because Sydney is, Sydney is just, I think they're a level above at the moment. If I,
0: if I had to give a tip, and, well, I do for my day job, and spoiler alert, I'm, I do think Sydney slightly have the edge, but I, I don't think it's going to be a case of, you know, Sydney 5, Brisbane 1. I think it's going to be a one-goal margin where the Roar are really pushing in stoppage time to try and get that equaliser.
2: Yeah, look. I think at the end, of, if I was, if I'm tipping on this game, is that um, look. I think that Sydney. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they if they won. Like I said, I think that's what most people are expecting. But you know what, If Rock, you know, can get a point or even win. That wouldn't be a shock either. So look, I think we're in for a very, very good game. Uh, football coming up, you know, on on Saturday night in Sydney.
0: Definitely. All right. So we're going to wrap it up with our usual uh, finishing salvo and
1: we'll complete the sentence, Scott. The story of this game will be Brisbane just don't not quite good enough to get the result down in Sydney.
0: Adam, what's going to be your story of the game?
2: Uh close, but but uh, not close enough.
0: I'm going to I'm going to give a headline: Sydney win high scoring thriller that we wish was the ABC game of the week.
1: <laughs> we should mention that quickly. Yeah, I've had some ordinary what games the, game? the ABC. Feel sorry for him. Something you've had to show.
2: Well, Wellington it... and Western Sydney for the Saturday. Oh.
0: Yeah, and if you if uh, SPS the world game is to be believed, that could be Marcus Babel's farewell.
1: What?
0: <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: Is it? Is it oh, it's no, such no, no, here, i not it? The sacking's going on everywhere. This yeah, isn't the Premier
2: League.
0: Yeah, and I don't think that Babel sacking will be met with the uh, same level of happiness as a certain red and white, like, formerly red and white manager was. Get Andrew to That's Arsenal. Right. There's a
1: couple of good openings for Marcus Babble, potentially if he does get released for the West Sydney Wanderers, isn't there?
0: Oh, I'm sure there will be, yeah. I'm
1: sure, you'd welcome him in North London? <laughs> <laughs> he might I'd, I'd rather Ansh. He just got removed. They just got on, though. He might want to get that taken off.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll believe that. I'll believe that when I see it.
2: I tell you what, if we get spanked in the in the derby on on uh, on the weekend, I think there might be an opening for a uh, on the other side of the, of the park, up on Merseyside.
0: Oh, you have to wait and see. Anyway, we're not going to turn this into Premier League Central. I just want to say, Andrew to Arsenal
1: one more time. Um, I'm moving to North Sentinel Island if this keeps up. By the way, promise? I, if, if, I just might. You never know. I'll take my chances.
0: <laughs> All right that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Adam. Good to see you again, yeah, James.
1: James thanks, Scott.
0: Yeah. I think we survived this uh first online recording, and it's good to know we've got this uh, up our sleeves for the future.
2: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Like I said, I might I might be recording uh from another continent.
0: Does that mean we don't have to worry about finding a fill-in for you?
2: Oh, maybe.
1: <laughs> we'll have, <laughs> no, to to we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait and see. We might go anyway, full-blown replacement, though. We'll have to wait and see. Let's
2: see what the budget allows. <laughs> what budget? <laughs> that, that transfer listing. <laughs> Alright,
0: thanks everyone for listening. Uh, if you have tuned in uh, during our FNR play, maybe you can check out the uh, full podcast on Wooshka, iTunes, Spotify, just any other good podcast outlet. Just remember to search for the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back in our uh, regular recording slot next Wednesday evening, hopefully to recap a couple of entertaining games across the A&W League and the Y League as well. Thanks everyone for listening. This has been the Brisbane Football Review. We'll catch you next time.